0: morning. It's February 12th. There's a glimmer of sun in New York this morning, with clouds supposed to be coming in behind that, and rain supposed to be coming in behind the clouds, and eventually supposedly snow coming in behind the rain. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Kelvin Kiptum, the world record holder in the marathon and the first person to run a marathon in under two hours and one minute died last night after losing control of his car and going off the road in Kenya, according to CNN. His coach, Gerveas Hakezamana, was also killed in the crash. Kipton was 24 years old. His record-setting performance of 2 hours and 35 seconds in October's Chicago Marathon had just been certified last week. Israel launched airstrikes against the city of Rafah last night, reportedly killing at least 67 people in a city crowded with Palestinians who fled the bombing of the rest of Gaza. Israel said it rescued two hostages in the course of the attacks. The front page of the New York Times today, which went to bed before the bombing started, has the headline, Israel Promises Civilian Safety Before Assault. The two lead news columns on the right-hand side are a news analysis piece grappling with Donald Trump's remarks over the weekend in which he rejected the entire premise of NATO and said he would encourage Russia to do what it wanted to any NATO country he felt wasn't paying its fair share. The story says... While a spokesman for the White House, Andrew Bates, denounced Mr. Trump's comments as unhinged, by Sunday morning they had already resonated with those who have argued that Europe cannot depend on the United States to deter Russia. As with aid to Ukraine, the speculative future is the actual present, a world in which NATO couldn't rely on the United States if one of the two major presidential candidates won election, is, by definition, a world in which NATO can't rely on the United States. What comes next? If the Times writes... Over the next year, NATO's European members came to doubt that the United States would remain committed to Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, which declares that an attack on one constitutes an attack on all. It would almost inevitably revive the debate about who else in Europe needed their own nuclear weapons, starting with Germany. Again, the initial if part of that sequence, which ends with a nuclear-armed Germany, isn't really an if. Germany can sit around and wait to see how this year's election comes out and then keep on sitting around every four years to see which way our treaty commitments swing, or it can build something a little more lasting out of radioactive fissile material. Speaking of Ukraine aid, the Senate voted to advance a bill that would send money to Ukraine and Israel as a replacement for the Ukraine-Israel border crackdown bill that got scrapped at Donald Trump's behest last week. Now that the Senate can vote on this bill, if it passes, it will go to the House, where, the Times writes, Speaker Mike Johnson is facing threats from the right to try to oust him if he puts a Ukraine aid bill on the floor. On page A6, a trio of stories takes a look at the election result in Pakistan, where a contest that everyone thought had been rigged in favor of the military backed candidates instead delivered a plurality of parliament seats to the party of Imran Khan, the jailed opposition leader. Because there has to be an AI angle on everything, one of the stories is about how Khan. Used a computer simulation of his voice to campaign while he was locked away. On page A twelve, Dengue fever is spreading in Brazil. The National Health Ministry of the Times Writes expects more than four point two million cases this year, outstripping the four point one million cases the Pan American Health Organization recorded for all forty two countries in the region last year. The chief of the CDC's Dengue branch told the Times that she expects to see more cases in the continental United States as well, especially in Florida, as well as Texas, Arizona, and Southern California. Page A16 of the Times is given over entirely to the question of whether Joe Biden is too old and mentally incompetent to be president, a debate the existence of which justifies the existence of the debate, and whose provenance is already a little muddied as the Times has settled into the inaccurate boilerplate of writing that Special Counsel Robert K. Hur characterized Mr. Biden, 81, as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory who had diminished faculties in advancing age. The well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory was not technically hers description of Biden, but was hers account of how a theoretical jury might perceive Biden if he were to face prosecution at the end of his presidency. It was a supposition about what someone else might think about Joe Biden. But now that chain's been shortened by one link as the Times turns to the question of what its reporters think people might think about Joe Biden. In a related feat of deflection, The story writes, Mr. Biden's allies have also doubled down on a campaign strategy of framing the election as a choice between Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump, as opposed to framing the election as what exactly? Anyway, a choice between Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump, whom they paint as a threat to democracy, and who faces charges over his own handling of classified documents. The Times continues, Mr. Trump, 77, recently confused the leaders of Hungary and Turkey, warned that the country was on the brink of World War II, and claimed that he defeated Barack Obama instead of Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. It's good that that's in there, but Trump's mental struggles probably merit more than one sentence on a full page about how Biden is the one with the problem. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again tomorrow, maybe with some snow falling outside.